Welcome to Chinuch 2.0, a show about the massive changes happening to how we do Chinuch, some of which may never be the same again. Everyone knows that the general studies programs of boys' yeshivas is a disaster. I can't speak for every yeshiva. Some yeshivas do have a good program, but for the most part, it's really disappointing. The boys, either they get the feeling from the Hanhala that this is not the main part of yeshiva and the emphasis should be on the Torah learning, which definitely it should be, or their parents don't care enough, or even if the parents do care, but the boys don't care enough, or they're tired by the time they get to general studies, whatever it is. In most yeshivas, the boys don't take it seriously. The teachers are not necessarily the best teachers. The principals don't, are, are overworked and not really able to effectively manage the, the, the behavior. So really it comes out, comes out, ends up being oftentimes a disaster. And it's a big problem because just a, there's so much that is taught in high school that prepares boys for future life, whether it's being able to write a coherent paragraph or being able to present an idea, an effective argument, do basic business math, even to manage a budget, a household budget. These are just basic life skills that everyone, no matter what you end up doing in your future life, needs to acquire. And especially if a boy wants to go on after he finishes yeshiva, gets married, needs to get a job, you need to have certain basic life skills to be able to get the most basic job. And certainly if he wants to go on and get a, some sort of college degree for a more advanced job, that's something that, that requires a basic education of high school, which most boys are not getting. So when I was introduced to Rabbi Mordechai Weissman of the Machon, I got very excited because this is someone who recognizes the problems that yeshivas have with their general studies program. And instead of trying to fight it and deny the problems that are there, he works with the problems. And the approach that he took to develop a curriculum, a whole general studies curriculum, which incorporates a lot of Torah ideas, a lot of hashkafa, into a framework that, ma- that matches and meets state requirements for high school education, and also gives the boys valuable life skills, get the boys motivated and interested, and also that it should agree with our hashkafa, with our worldview. So this was a very, very interesting this conversation where he explains how his method works, what led him to develop these methods, and how people who are interested in help, helping support this great initiative can get involved and help out. I urge you to listen to this whole interview and do whatever you can to try to get this program into more yeshivas and also to help support it so that it can be f- fully developed. Let's go to our interview with Rabbi Mordechai Weissman. We're speaking with Rabbi Mordechai Weissman. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So Rabbi Weissman has a new and innovative way of presenting general studies for high school bachrim and yeshivas uh, called the Machon, and we're going to speak more about it. But before we get to that, 
just wanted to talk about a little bit about what, what the importance of having general studies at all in high school. There are many yeshivas throughout the generations, and especially even today, in Lakewood and other places that are very against having general studies in a masifta. So what, what are your thoughts of the issues facing the back and forth, yes or no, pro and con, if masifta should have general studies programs or not? You know, it's it's definitely a a very difficult question because there is a split within our community. Um, just, I do want to say as a preface, preface that the goal of the Machon is not necessarily to take a yeshiva that does not offer general studies and all of a sudden change their approach. But rather, we're looking to help those yeshivas which have already made the decision to offer general studies because they view there to be a value and try to help them present it in a way that's going to be meaningful to the Bachram. Um, specifically, a lot of times we focus on the importance of history and allowing us to see the Yad Hashem. We focus on science, allowing us to see uh, the Niflau Sabore. But I think a certain aspect that a lot of us miss, and which perhaps, at least in my opinion, is the most important, is language arts. Because it is so important that our Bachram know how to articulate themselves. They know how to present themselves. They know how to write an email. They know how to organize their thoughts. And one something I tell Bachram all the time is, it, it, this is not a matter of whether you want to go into law or business. Even for those who want to go into Chinuch, who want to go into Kashras, who want to go into Kiruv, whatever it may be, you need to know how to articulate yourself. You need to know how to write an email, how to compose your thoughts in order that you can better interact with those around you. Um, and this is something that is beneficial for anyone, whether you want to be in Kolel, whether you want to be a Rebbe, whether you want to be in business. We have to know how to present ourselves within our community, but also to the outside world. It's an aspect of, of making a Kiddush Hashem. Mm -hmm. So in, in your view, what, the way you're describing, it doesn't even sound like the, 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 the real philosophical argument about learning general studies, because there that was... That's more talking about learning sciences or, or, or st like studying the, the, the knowledge and the and courses of, of you know, of chachma, chachma, you know, other, other uh, dis disciplines like, uh, you know, with th things that people go to college for. What you're describing are simple life skills that everybody needs, just like you have to you know, do certain things for health and certain things for uh, Parnassah. This is something that's just basic life skills. 100%. So, you know, I guess we'll talk soon about what the Machon does, but the goal of the Machon and the curricula that we create is not for a Ben Torah to necessarily go to college when they're 18, to have a background that's going to help them for this liberal arts degree. It's to provide them with a skill set, a tool belt that they'll be able to utilize with whatever they want to do in life. And what we try to give over to the boys is that this is a tool belt that will help you even if you stay in clay kodesh um it, that it uh, un unfortunately we we've all been exposed to the situation where you'll ask a ben torah to say something over at the shabbos table and oftentimes they may have some great ideas and they do but to be able to string all the ideas together in a manner that's presentable um, that is going to speak to someone other than, you know, their their chavrusa and the base men to trade across from them is not something that we always get. 
and the skills that we can give over to the boys in language arts about communication skills, about writing skills, which affects more than just writing. It's how to organize ideas, which can help us in all aspects of life is something that is crucial. So before we get into the details of what the Machon teaches, if we take a typical high school curriculum, algebra, geometry, trigonometry, global studies, English, um, you know, literature, um, other things like that, how important are those, are those classes in real life, you know, in terms of getting a job later in life or in terms of even like you're saying, just being able to present yourself? So they're definitely very important. Obviously, it depends on what field you want to go into. Um, it, you know, there's a certain degree of, of background knowledge that is important for, you know, I, I really think important for any person who's going to go into the workplace to know in order to be able to interact with those around them. Um, but outside of language arts with history, it's important to understand what it means living in this country. What is the constitution? What is the declaration of independence? What does it mean to be a responsible citizen? Uh, with science, it's important to understand basic concepts in biology and chemistry, just to understand um, if you're gonna go into the sciences or even if not to go into sciences, just to understand uh, what's going on in the medical world, what's going on in, in health. Uh, in mathematics, that, you know, I, I think that's probably the most obvious one. You know, just general computations are needed for, for all aspects of, of, of life. Um, but again, you know, it's, it, the goal here is not at all to take a Bentora who would normally be going to base Medrash and trying to put them on a track to, to go to college. It's rather to provide them with a skill set that we feel is going to be beneficial for them. And that really goes to exactly what we're doing, because oftentimes yeshivas default on what they feel is the curriculum that we have to give over to our students because that is what is done in public schools. That is what is done in the fancy private schools. But it doesn't speak to our boys. It doesn't speak to our boys because they don't have any intrinsic motivation for this Western canon of going through Shakespeare, of going through a lot of these archaic books, a lot of these, these stories that are um, not speaking to the values that we have. And what we've really discovered is that if you look at the state requirements for general studies in just about every state in this country, and it, it was fascinating for me to do this research, is that there are really no content specific requirements. That the luxury that we have is that we really just need to teach skills. And the manner in which we do that is up to us. With the exception of teaching the constitution and the declaration of independence, we. The, the state's mandate, usually in line with the common, national common core standards, that we just teach certain skills. But it's up to us to, to figure out the way to do that. And that's really what the Mahon is trying to do. Okay, yeah. I mean, listen, over the past year, you know, pe people have said it as a joke, but a, lo a lot of people who went to yeshiva and had absolutely no secular education have all of a sudden become world-renowned experts on infectious disease and mm -hmm. uh, you know, political science. So definitely we've seen a lot of that over the past year. Uh, but but get, just, just summarize a little bit of what you said. And I just want to uh, touch more on what you said, that the, the, the state-required curriculum for high school, that means what the states generally require 
to, to grant a high school diploma, you're saying that there are no specific classes that need to be given? So um, what I'm going to say, I'm going to speak in regard to Maryland. I live in Baltimore, but uh, what I'm saying is true for, for all the states that I've researched. New York has some differences because of the regions, but in Maryland, for example, uh, you need four years of language arts. Um, how language arts is defined is completely up to a private school. Um, it, the bylaws say that a school has the right to define what a credit means. Um, it, there is a charge to teach certain skills in reading comprehension, in vocabulary, in grammar and mechanics, um, in writing. Um, but the manner through which that's done is really at the discretion of a private school. Uh, through history, you need to have three, not four years of history. Again, this is Maryland, but this is most states. Um, and the only class that you need with a specific name is American history. Mm -hmm. And the only texts that you need to teach in that class are the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence. Everything else is at the discretion of the school. private school. With science, you need three years of science. Um, it, but there's nothing that says that you have to use a textbook which um, has material which goes against our hushkuf and our approach to life. As a, It's not that we have to use that textbook and then rip out or censor pages. We just need to teach information and teach a variety of skills uh, in regard to the scientific method and other uh, things along those lines. But nothing says that we need to teach certain topics. Uh, and math, um, the same that you need three years of math. You know, obviously math is a little bit different, uh, but, and then you need to offer some electives as well. But the content is really at the discretion of, of the private school. Now it's, it's interesting. I don't think most yeshivas are aware of this. Um, and this is a luxury that we definitely have in the United States, in Canada, or at least I know in Ontario, for example, because I've, I've spoken with schools there, is they have to teach specific texts. It's not just about the skills, it's about the content. Um, but that's not the case here. What kind of accreditation process is there? Like you said, in Maryland, you just have to teach the subjects, but there's the, the content of the class is totally at the discretion of the school. Is there any government oversight at all or the, or the school can just submit their curriculum and, and it automatically gets approved? It doesn't automatically get improved. There, there is a process by which you, uh, you need to go through with who your teachers are, what degrees they have. You don't necessarily need a teaching degree, although I'm not going to underplay that value. Um, you need to, a school needs to prove that it does have a library um, of, 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 of some size. Uh, a school does need to show a that. A library of what? So you just need to show that you have a, a library that allows, um, that houses different texts, media. But again, there's nothing that says that in that library, you need to have the complete works of Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. They just want to know that your school has resources, that your school has textbooks. Um, but again, so much of that is at the discretion of the school. Um, it, they do want to ensure that you are, um, it, you, they want to know that you're um, having school for a certain number of hours a day, which obviously yeshivas far exceed that. Um, but it's, you know, there's definitely oversight, but so much of it is left at our own discretion. Mm -hmm. And yearly, it's just a matter of resubmitting your application and saying that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And at some point, you know, the, the state can come in and check up on everything. Uh, but with the Mahon, you know, we 
we work with many yeshivas, but primarily we work with the yeshiva in Baltimore. We've we've shared our curricula with them, and we've never received any objection. So you're saying practically, it comes down to when it, when it comes down to oversight, there's practically very little oversight, and it's it's pretty easy. You're saying in your experience to get approved for a a, a curriculum that that matches our hashkafas. That is correct. Okay, interesting. Okay, so so before we even get to what to, to what you do and how you do it, it, traditionally it's been very challenging for schools to, for yeshivas for mesiftas to to have a good English program. I remember uh, when I was in high school about thirty years ago or more, uh, the, the you know we had a semi decent high school in, uh, general studies program, semi decent. But ever since then, I mean, from what I hear, it's just been going downhill in, in many many yeshivas. So. Do you think that that's from the yeshiva side, like the yeshiva, the hanhala are not taking it seriously? Do you think it's the boys that aren't taking it seriously? Is it a combination? Why are, why are the general studies programs such a disaster in many high schools? So I think it's very multifaceted. And I think that you can really narrow it down to two crises. So one is the teacher problem. Um, and one is, which is really a byproduct of the teacher problem, but the student perception of what the afternoon is supposed to be. So if you start with the first one, the teacher problem is that, and and this is definitely a generalization, there are fantastic teachers out there, but we don't necessarily have qualified teachers in our classrooms. Uh, 15 to 20 years ago, the average yeshiva, um, the model was hiring public school teachers who by that time in the day, three o'clock, they were done uh, teaching in their public schools and they moved on to the afternoon. That's not really the case as much now as it um, now as it was 15, 20 years ago and, and before that. Um, a lot of yeshivas have come to the realization that you can't necessarily just um, put a public school teacher in a yeshiva in the afternoon. Uh, it becomes very difficult to control what is being taught in the classroom. Um, and not to any fault of these public school teachers. Many of them may say, okay, we will uh, make sure that we have kosher texts. We'll make sure that the conversations are appropriate, but they have a different cultural reference. They have a different background and they can't, and, and not to any fault of their own, it's very difficult for a school to be on top of a teacher to the degree that uh, we are completely hushkafically fine with what's going on. So what's ended up happening is the teachers that we have in the afternoon are not necessarily qualified. Um, many of them, it's it's a part-time job. They're not fully committed to it, meaning that this is what they're doing after they finish something else. Um, it, and it's, you know, the, the students see that. The students see that. They recognize that their teachers are there um, as a way to make some additional money. Many teachers are passionate, don't get me wrong, but it's, it's not the case with every teacher. And, you know, our, our Bachram are smart. You know, the, this goes to the second crisis. Our Bachram are smart. They're, pers- they're perceptive. They see these things. They see when a teacher is giving the same content to the ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. I've spoken to so many schools where the model is that they, they hire somebody to teach in the afternoon. That morning, they find an interesting article, which it can be a very interesting article, and they plan on giving the same lesson to the 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. And, and the students get this. They understand there's supposed to be a difference between 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. They understand that they're, they may not have the vocabulary for this, but they understand that there should be a scope and sequence. They should be a curriculum. And when they're not provided with that, 
then, you know, they, they react, um, they, they don't take it as seriously. They lack that intrinsic motivation. And, and I think we also need to compare what happens in the afternoon with the geschmack of learning a, a blot of Gemara in the morning, that the, the whole approach in the morning is, is so much different than the afternoon. The approach of the afternoon is we are teaching information because we want you to be Yotze on getting a diploma. In the morning, we're looking at the whole child. We are focusing on Midos. We're focusing on transmitting a Mesora. So we're going from this exciting morning where we're focusing on the entire Mahus of a, of a Bentora to all of a sudden, we just need to make sure that you can check something off, but we're not necessarily giving you the most robust curriculum to do it. And those teachers who do have a great curriculum, oftentimes it has content that doesn't speak to a yeshiva bacher. It has books that have, um, it, it has themes and stories that are not part of our worldview. Um, it, and even on a very basic level, you know, it, it, example sentences for, for vocabulary that have names and situations or essay prompts that have nothing to do with our cultural experience. So even those teachers who may be using curricula and kola kavod to them that are fantastic and that are used in private schools and in public schools, it does not necessarily mean that it's going to translate to our students. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there, there are a lot of other problems that come to mind, such as boys are restless by that time of the day. They're already learning the whole morning. They're tired. They're misbehaving. They're not interested. They feel that the school might not be so interested in it or their parents don't care. I mean, do you see those, those issues coming up? Right. I'm not trying to downplay that at the same time. You know, it, it's true. You know, yeshivas start, between, you know, anytime between 2.30 and 3.30 <clears throat> for general studies, the boys are exhausted, especially after going through an intellectually stimulating morning and knowing that they're going to be there back at night. It's, it's a lot. But what the, the problem is, is that many times we feed into that. We expect that they're going to sit for a 40-minute period but we can't have those expectations. Obviously, the students should not be having the chutzpah they have. Those behavior problems should not be present. And there are many ways of handling this, but the way that we're handling it is triage, it's band-aids. But if we get to what is going to intrinsically motivate a yeshiva bacher, providing content that's gonna to speak to their cultural experience, finding a way for them to see how they can grow from what's presented to them in the afternoon, not just in regard to their skills, which are important, but in regard to their med- their midos and their general approach to life. Um, and we can do it in a way where they're not sitting for four or five 40 minute periods straight when they're half asleep, but we can keep them using a task-based curriculum where they are on their feet, they're working with their friends, they're interacting um, when appropriate, there's educational technology being used, then we have more of a chance. So yes, it's true <clears throat> that there are issues on an administrative level. There are issues on what's being reinforced in the home. There are issues of the students being tired. But we also have to recognize that what we present to the students and who's presenting it to them can allow that intrinsic motivation to push a lot of those other issues aside, even if they may still exist. So, so we've been talking for 20 minutes now about the issues facing 
high school general studies, Sifta boys, and, uh, and, and, uh, and the consequences of not doing it properly. So now it's time for you to speak. Tell us your story. How did you get to what you do? How you do it? Just tell us how you got involved. Sure. sure. So um, I'm the director of an organization. We've been around for two years now called Machon Menorah Sachachma, the Institute for Torah-Based Curricula, the Machon. And uh, our Machon is really a, an offshoot of a yeshiva in Baltimore called Masifta Kesser Torah. And I started teaching at Masifta Kesser Torah um, about four years ago, language arts and history. And I had previously been a Rebbe and I was aware of, of what it meant to teach general studies in yeshiva. And it was important to me before I walked into the classroom to develop a curriculum that I knew that the boys would be machshiv, that they would value. Um, and I felt that the best place to tackle this could be language arts, even though it's usually not the most obvious one, because we usually focus on this in regard to Yad Vashem and Yiflav Sabore. So we developed a course that uses um, Midos as the underlying themes for the texts that are read. So um, in, one, in the ninth grade course, for example, uh, all, you have all these readings that are related to the theme of MS. So there are two secular texts read in each, um, in each unit and one excerpt from the biography of a Gadol and anything that you would do normally in a language arts class of grammar and mechanics and, and language and writing is there, all meeting the National Common Core requirements. But we say to the boys, if in the morning we're saying the Torah is a Torah's Chaim, it applies to everything we do in life, no matter where we are in life, then even if the characters in these stories are not Jewish, let's take a step back for a moment and say, how can, what would we do if we were in these situations, these interpersonal situations? And we have collected hundreds and hundreds of marmakomos that could be related to these experiences and these stories. And what we say, and, but what I tell teachers, you know, Baruch Hashem, there are about 12 or 13 yeshivas that are using our material now, is that it can be very attractive to want to delve into 40, 45 minutes of hushkafa and, and these larger Torah conversations, but I actually dissuade that from teachers. I tell teachers, don't let it go beyond 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes, because sometimes the most powerful thing you can tell a bacher is, you know what, this is a great conversation. Let's speak to your Rebbe. Let's speak to the Rosh Hashiva. Because now the bucker is hearing that, wait a second, my English teacher talks to my Rebbe. My Hanhal in the morning knows what's going on in the afternoon. And they realize that I'm not in a yeshiva and a high school, but I'm in one school throughout the entirety of the day. So, well, one second. So just explain. You're, you're, the stories that you're teaching in the, in the language arts class are non-Jewish stories? Just explain. Give a little well, more detail about on that. The year. It depends on the year. In ninth grade, 65% of the stories that they're reading are not Jewish stories. And where are they, are they coming from like classics? Like, like uh... Some are coming from classics. Um, some are more contemporary. Um, and they've all been approved by our rabbinic board, Rav Shalom Kamenetsky, Rav Aaron Lopiansky. So, they, and they're, so, that, so they're hand-selected, basically you or someone else on the board is, is hand-selecting these stories for inclusion in the curriculum. Correct. We're selecting these stories. And... The reason why we're choosing these stories is because we, we do feel that for what we want to do with later years, and I'll get to that, that this, the kids really need to be exposed to quality writing, quality literature. And there is a great deal of quality writing and quality literature out there in the Jewish world. But there is also um, 
some very good secular texts too, but we're approaching it through a very unique lens. But the scope and sequence of our language arts program is by the time you get to 12th grade, and I'll explain how this works, the Chomer is pretty much Torah. So in 10th grade, for example, there's a, the overarching theme of, of the year is responsibility. Uh, the, we start off with family responsibility and the boys read the family Aguilar, uh, Jewish historical fiction. We then move on to communal responsibility and we ask the boys to come up with, uh, we do, they do a needs assessment and they think, what is a chesed organization, a nonprofit organization that's missing from our community? And we ask them to think about beyond their daladamos and we teach them how to do grant writing, how to write letters and emails and newspaper articles. And then the last part of the year is business responsibility. And we talk about what does it mean for a from person in the workplace? And we go through case studies and they work on their writing. This is now, all in ninth grade? So that's ninth and 10th grade. And then by the time they get to 11th and 12th grade, and we really feel this, the students have gained a certain um, mastery of skills, we, we change it all up. And the way it works is in 11th grade is the class is team taught between um, uh, well, we have recordings of Rosfi Mordechai Feldheim, who's the Rosh Hashiva of Mesifta Kesher in Baltimore, um, asking questions on Parshios, on Yom Tovim throughout the year. And the boys work with their English teacher on writing a Devar Torah, but in the style of an expository essay, a compare contrast essay, a persuasive essay, answering whatever question it is of the Rosh Hashiva. And the boys are working on the writing skills that they need for those essays. They're working on the research skills. It just happens to be that all the sources they're looking at are Marmacomos, and we provide English translations as well. Um, and as well, later in the year, we work on communication skills. We work on public speaking. We work on um, who is the audience. Am I speaking at a Shal Shittis in my local uh, shul, or am I speaking in a Kirv environment? Uh, <clears throat> and we change up the audiences and different simchas and speaking to maybe explaining things to a non-Jewish audience, depending on the circumstance. So at that point, really the Chomer is completely Torah. And, and, and this is the great thing, that from the perspective of the state, this, this satisfies the language arts requirement because we're teaching the skills, because it's not about the content. It's about the skills, and we found a way to do that. And this little, everything's in English, right? So they're, they're speaking in English, they're writing in English. 100%. 100%. And, and they're using voc high vocabulary words, I assume. Yes, 100%. Okay, and, and when, you say, when you say in front of different audiences, they're actually going out in front of these audiences and speaking, or it's just, they're just imaginings? Like so right now, we, you know, we simulate it, but you know, yeshivas have opportunities to set up with their community if they can find other ways to do it. But they're being uh, graded as if they're speaking in front of different audiences. That is correct. In 12th grade, it's a similar format, uh, but we go into some hashkafic topics, um, and for that, the video content is from other prominent Rosh Hashivas around the country. We've, we've videoed uh, Rav Aaron Lupiansky. We're going to be videoing Rosh Kamenetsky and other Rosh Hashivas who will be presenting on the idea of Tamea Mitzvahs, the idea of Shmona Esrei, of the Yud Gimel Ikrim. And right now, I'm working with my students where they uh, listen to a recorded cheer from Rav Aaron Lupiansky and Shmona Esrei. And... Um, they're each, they've each picked a bracha within Shmona Esrei, and they're writing an essay, something called a definition essay, on a specific bracha. And they're going through, how do I translate these words? What's the meaning? What's the kavana behind it? The denotation, the connotation, 
they're learning how to use a concordance. Uh, you know, we spoke about the idea, if you want to understand what a word means, find the first instant, instance of it in Chumash. And so we're teaching them how to use a concordance, which is a skill that's helpful even outside of the Jewish world. There are concordances for other things as well. So we found a way to teach all the necessary skills, have the students be able to receive a diploma that satisfies state requirements, but do so in a way that speaks to the boys. And, you know, to, to see to see a yeshiva bacher who is able to to really learn in depth the Parsha in the afternoon, that's the intrinsic motivation. They feel they're growing. It's not just a matter of, okay, I know in theory that I'm supposed to gain skills. I know this is gonna help me write better. I know this is gonna help me organize my thoughts and speak better. So I should read, I don't wanna be so negative with Shakespeare, just the go-to example, but I, I know I have to read this specific classic, but now it's, I'm using it with a medium that speaks to me, that I feel I'm actually growing from, and I'm gaining those skills at the same time. And How is that? Because you're asking, because you're asking the Hashkafa questions afterwards? Because we're asking the Hashkafa questions, because the students feel as if the texts that I'm learning and the texts that I'm reading can speak to me beyond the 40 minutes that I'm sitting in this classroom, that I can learn life lessons from this, that there's a value here in beyond just checking off a requirement that's going to get me a diploma that the growth mindset that a yeshiva is supposed to have in the morning continues into the afternoon as well. So, so talk a little bit about how do you choose the material that, you, that you're using in the classes? Well, what's the process that you use? You, you're, you're developing the curriculum, I, I imagine. So what are you doing? How, how are you selecting it? So for the ninth grade material, I, I definitely spent a lot of time going through various texts um, trying to find material that is hitting those, that would allow for assignments that um, hit those national common core requirements, uh, um, readings that um, increase in difficulty from the beginning of ninth grade to the end of, um, for later in the year. One thing that's important for us is that we're not just providing good stories to the students, but that the material is progressively getting more difficult to allow them to grow in skills. Um, in my personal experience, I found that most yeshiva bachram in, in ninth grade are more at a seventh, eighth grade reading level. So a lot of our material starts on the middle school level. Um, but by the end of ninth grade, the goal with the readings that we choose is to get them onto grade level. So that throughout high school, they can really be meeting the requirements that are going to allow them to not just analyze text well, but constantly see development over the years. Because that's something else. When, when students know that their teacher is doing the same thing for ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, the, the, you know, it, it, it diminishes it for them and waters it down. But if they know that the only reason they're able to do what they're doing in 12th grade is because they went through 9, 10, and 11, and they value that what, what it is that they're reading, it's all the more powerful for the students. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that takes care of language arts. What about the other subjects? So right now we've, we've, we've finished language arts and right now we're delving into history. We're doing one discipline at a time. So <clears throat> we wanna be creating a two-year world history curriculum, but that's very much tied to Jewish history. Uh, and then as well for later years in American government and American history course. So right now I'm in the middle of creating the first half of the world history course, but it starts from Adama Rishon 
and it'll go to the Geonim, um, Emir Tzashem, that's the plan. But the idea is that when you're learning about ancient Mesopotamia, where a lot of these world history courses start, you're learning it through the lens of Avram Avinu, where is Orkastin? Where is Aram Naharayim? And talking about how geographically this is Mesopotamia. When you're talking about um, ancient Egypt, it's all through the, it's all through Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Um, and, you know, there's, you know, there's Sefer Yashar, there is um, Sefer Adoros, there are so many Marmakomos that go through history. And I think a big problem with history is students sit there and they say, what, what is the relevance to me? H how is this speaking to me? But what we're showing the students is that studying history is also studying their own past. That these civilizations can be seen through the eyes of their own cultural experience. And also because what we've realized is it's not about the content, it's about the skills, that we're, these courses are not going to be designed where the students have to know all 20 dynasties of Egyptian pharaohs, where they have to memorize the years of every war. Obviously, there are certain important facts and historical events we want the students to know, but it's going to be on relevance. And it's going, and um, it, it, for example, you can speak about um, it, um, it, Yuval and Yavon about early instruments and early weapons, as opposed to talking about we don't feel comfortable with that talking about 25,000 years ago. And, <clears throat> excuse me, um, as well, you can talk about um, Hano, who creates the first city. And then you talk about the first cities in Mesopotamia. It's just a matter of finding the Pesach that is going to light, you know, to light up the Bachar, to get him interested in what's going on. These kids are perceptive. They're looking for meaning. And if you give them something that's dry, something that doesn't speak to their experience and never will, then of course there's gonna be behavior problems. And if you're asked them to sit for a 40 minute lecture, when it's four or five o'clock in the afternoon, what can we expect? Mm -hmm. You know, we can have all the Derek Herod speeches that we want, but that's Band-Aid, that's triage. We need to get to the intrinsic motivation that's gonna allow them to gain these skills and allow them to continue that growth mindset that we have in the in the morning, which is why everything is project based. Everything is task based. We leave the um, the um, the lecture to a bare minimum of ten minutes, and then we have kids working on assignments. They're doing. They're using their hands. They're they're involved. We we want to put them at the own drive at the driver's seat of their own education. So, so after history, what are you what are you looking to do? Are you going so to try to cover I, everything else? So I imagine that it's going to take us, you know, about two, three years to work on history. And then I think we're going to work on science. So, you know, a lot of it is trying to create material that is uh, approached from a manner that is kosher. Um, also, another aspect of it is there are so many from professionals and from scientists and from historians and from professionals who would love to be able to contribute to this. <clears throat> so one thing we hope to do is create multimedia where we can find that from biologists who can be presenting um, some video content and uh, lecture material uh, to students. L let the kids see what it means to be from in the workplace. And we want to utilize our unique methodology of we break, you know, we, it's not just a matter of scope and sequence for each year. It's not just a matter of all the units. We've broken down every lesson with our teacher's guides into what a 40 minutes would look like with the 10 minutes of instruction, 
of the work the students are doing and exit ticket when they leave. And we've come up with, you know, using these cutting edge educational methodologies. And we want to be able to use those methodologies for whatever discipline is that, that we tackle. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay. And math, eventually you want to get to math also? So math, math also. Is math, math, math is going to have to be, different. it's just going to have to be the, the, the general, I imagine it's going to have to be the general high school curriculum of math. Right. right. So no, correct. So, you know, a lot of math is going to be the same. You know, we definitely want to put it through our methodology with task-based and project-based. You know, I think there'll be opportunities for enrichment with bringing in a Gemara and Sukkah that talks of, you know, with mathematical equations and things like that. That's not going to replace it. That, that might be dangerous because <laughs> it doesn't add up. <laughs> you know? But, um, but, but uh, uh, yeah, no, but math is a little bit different. Um, you know, it, I, I think just to perhaps anticipate, you know, what the next question is, perhaps from the listeners is who's going to teach these classes? Right. You know, that's, that's really the biggest issue. Um, because, you know, once, even if you leave it to five, 10 minutes, once you're bringing Jewish topics into the classroom, the Hanhala needs to be comfortable with who's there. So ultimately our goal is if we can find a way to get B'nai Torah teaching these classes, which also will allow the students to be machshiv a little bit more what's going on in the afternoon. So, you know, we're creating teacher's guides. We're, uh, we just hired someone recently. We're in the process of creating, uh, professional development seminars that schools who partner with us that we're going to provide them so we can find those individuals who may have some minimal educational experience but have that charisma our B'nai Torah to come in the classroom but we can work with them on professional development we've also created um, our own unique learning management system something called an LMS which um, it's similar to an online course heavily filtered um, you know, obviously a school would need to be comfortable with it, but we work with a specific IT company and, uh, and we have a scumas for this as well um, to essentially allow the Bentora to act as a, um, to, I guess, redefine the role of a teacher into one of a facilitator where the Bentora is in the classroom, but a lot of the content is being threat- fed through this LMS. And then the next question that we got from schools is, well, this is nice, but you know, I may have that great mentor who can be in the classroom, but he may not necessarily be able to grade the assignments. So through the LMS, we have a remote grader who can provide, you know, help to the students with grammar mechanics and, and grade their writing and, and do feedback. So we're trying to find solutions to the problems. So because you, you can come up with the best content, with the best curriculum, but if you don't have the right person facilitating it, then it doesn't matter what's in the curriculum. So, you know, we want to make sure that B'nai Torah are, are in yeshivas and that we can provide them with professional developments. We can assist them with remote grading. We can assist them with teacher's guides and try to ensure that the best qualified people can be teaching the material that's most relevant to Yeshiva Bachram to allow them to succeed. Wow. Yeah, it, sounds, it sounds like a very, very sophisticated and kind of uh, you know, very... <laughs> sophisticated, but also very disruptive idea that's really going to change the way general studies are being taught to high school Bachar. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great, it sounds like a great idea. Um, so talk to me a few minutes. What, what's holding you back? What's, what would you need or what could you use or how could Klai Yisrael help out over here to get this out into every single Masifta out there that's interested? So, you know, I, I, the, the biggest problem that we face is implementation. You know, we, we've had our first two years and, you know, schools will say to us, <clears throat> who's going to teach it? 
So, you know, that's our thought with professional development and that's our thought with the LMS. Um, but a lot of it, you know, things move slowly <laughs> in, in the firm world. You know, we have a lot of yeshivas who are interested, but they sit, they'll, they'll say to us, we're interested, but maybe we'll join in five years, you know, once there are other yeshivas who have, have come along. Proven, proven at first. Right. And, and everything we're trying to do is research-based. You know, we, we have consultants, uh, educational consultants. We, we even hired a, a non-Badafka, we hired a non-Jewish educational consultant to look at our material to make sure it was meeting uh, all these requirements. And Baruch Hashem, it was. Um, but it's, it's really a culture shift. And, you know, I, I think that we, to be successful, we're looking for partners. We're looking for parents to push schools to push yeshivas, to, to make the effort to improve their programs. We're looking for administrators to work um, for, we're looking for, for Manalam to work with the general studies principals. This system is only going to work if the morning administration is, is, is working together in unison with the afternoon. So, we need Balabatsum around the country to push their schools in this direction because there is a crisis, there is a need, and we need administrators and we need Rebbeim to be aware of what's going on in general studies and to recognize that there, there is a solution. There are solutions out there, but the morning and the afternoon need to come together for this to be materialized. So uh, talk, about, uh, talk about funding. Like where does, where does funding for your program come from? And I assume there's probably a need for fundraising over here or donations, right? 100%. So um, it, pretty much all of our funding comes from foundations. Um, just, most of our funding comes from the Walder Foundation out in Chicago. But we also work with a number of other foundations around the country um, that are interested in making impactful change in Jewish education and chenuch. We do have a number of individuals also who recognize the importance. But yes, you know, what, one of the reasons that we rely on funding is because we have to keep our costs for schools at a minimum. Yeshivas are strapped. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeshivas are not necessarily, even if there's a crisis, going to be spending thousands and thousands of dollars on, on changing their entire approach uh, when they, they have so many other things they need to focus on. So we, we, we really want to make it that yeshivas don't have to pay very much, a very minimal fee. And we're trying our best for smaller yeshivas to, to lower the fee as much as we can. Um, but the only way that we can do this is if we really have the, the help of Klai Yisrael to be able to um, take care of the funding that goes into you know, this project. Uh, because we don't want schools to be shelling out all this money uh, to, for this professional material uh, to make it happen. So we're, we're trying to not ask so much from schools and trying to ask more from Israel to make this happen. Excellent. It sounds like a very, very exciting and, and innovative approach to something that's been a huge problem and only, only getting worse. And uh, no, it definitely sounds very innovative. And my feeling is that there are Balabatim in our community that would be very interested in helping support this initiative because they see the problem and they're worried about it. They're concerned about what's going to be with the future of our, of our community, of our, of our, of our, gener- our youth. And this is something that's directly addressing it. But let me play, you know, let me play the, 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 the potential donor for a second. And he's going to, you know, he's going to listen to this program and he's going to say, 
So you're telling me you want me to support a program that's basically teaching kids Parsha and Jewish history and calling that an English program? So how would you answer that in a short, in a, you know, in a very short and, and, and concise way, like just to head off that objection? Because that's going to be the most obvious. Right. So objection. what I'd answer is that's just a small part of it. That's that's the medium through which we're teaching these skills that every that <clears throat> if if you look at all the National Common Core requirements, the students are read, are, are learning the skills of of how to write um, professionally. They're learning how to articulate themselves. They're learning grammar, mechanics. Um, they're, they're learning, they're, they're meeting all these requirements. If you look at our teacher's guides, it's all there. It's all lined, all the codes for the National Common Core requirements. The reason that we're doing it through this Torah lens, which just to take a step back, we're not looking to be completely having Torah classes in the afternoon. We're looking, we're trying to find a way to meet the students where they are, to take the students where they're interested. Every Rebbe knows this, that if you want to draw in a Bachar, it's not always, not to downplay, it's not always about the Daf Gemara you're learning. It's about the relationship that you build with the student. And if you want to build a relationship to, with a student, you need to know what they're interested in. You need to know what they're going to find to be valuable and what they're going to find to be meaningful. And right now, nine times out of 10, that standard public school curriculum that we're providing to students, that's not what they find valuable. That's not what they find meaningful. And that's what's perpetuating this problem that unfortunately we all see in our in our community yeshivas in our yeshivas around the country so it's a matter of trying to find a way the best way to tap into a child's neshama to allow him to be machshiv what's going on to ultimately make him first and foremost because this is general studies get the skills he needs but not to turn off that growth mindset that he hasn't that he has from the morning the biggest disservice and i think this is the most important point if a school is committed to having general studies, and I completely understand if a yeshiva is not, there are all different types of yeshivas. A yeshiva has to do what, what, what works for them and their parent body. I think that's another conversation. But if a yeshiva is doing general studies, then it's their responsibility to make sure that for three hours in the afternoon, there's no hafkaris. It's not bitelsman. Because if we have the, the students, you know, having this growth mindset, they're constantly growing and we turn it off for three hours, that, that's the biggest test of what a Ben Torah is, is if they can hold that throughout the entire day, not just when they're sitting in sheer. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. So uh, it, uh, talk to the potential school, the school that's, potential, that's potentially considering this program. What should they do to get, you know, to look into it or to even reach out to you? And also talk to the potential donor who would be interested in helping spearhead this great program and try to grow it and, 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 and spread it further. Sure. So if, if anybody is, whether it's a school, whether it's a donor, or just anybody who has general interest in this, um, please visit our website, um, the Mahon, uh, so the M-A-C-H-O-N.org. Um, there we have a number of videos up uh, explaining what we do. We have sample material up explaining what we have. And I also, my email address is there as well, but I encourage you to, to reach out to me, to M. Weissman, uh, two S's and two N's, and Weissman, W-E-I-S-S-M-A-N-N, -S -S -N, at themachun.org, uh, because, you know, we, we've been speaking about it for 40 minutes now. There, there's a lot of Torah Shvalpeh that goes along with, with the curriculum, with the curricula. It's, it's, it's a chiddush. It's a whole new way of doing things. Mm -hmm. So 
if anyone's going to take a look at it, I, I really encourage you to reach out to me, to reach out to any of my colleagues at the Mahon. Uh, and we're more than happy to meet with you, uh, to set up a Zoom and to, to show you how we really feel this can work. Uh, and we're also committed to helping you find the teachers to make this possible, of trying to be in touch with the organizations in your community, to be in touch with COLIM in your community, to maybe finding a somebody who's a an elementary school, middle school Rebbe in the, in the morning who may have some time in the afternoon. Um, it, but we are very committed to not only working with schools, but working with communities uh, to ensure that this can happen. Okay, very good. So before we go, just talk a little bit about what's been the experience. How has it positively impacted the, the program and how it's received by the Talmudim? So it's, it's really amazing to see, you know, the Bachum grow over the years. Um, they are definitely gaining in skills um, to the degree where, <clears throat> just to give one example, you know, th there's a student who very much struggled in his writing and very much struggled in his ability to, to outline information and to understand the flow of a text. And this approach, this Kodesh lens, very much spoke to him. Um, and once I, you know, during a break in the day, I, I happened to be walking in the, in the base medrash and I saw that he was taking notes on his Gemara and he was using the method that I had taught him from English class. And he said to me, you know, I, you know, Baruch Hashem, he's, he's a good learner. But it, what he said is I, I was able to use the different skills that you taught in language arts as a way to complement what I'm doing in the morning and allow me to better organize myself, to better express myself. So I think this really goes to the heart of what we're trying to say. This is not just, these are not just skills that you need if you wanna go into business, law, medicine, whatever it may be. This is gonna help any Bentora. Um, but it definitely is a rewiring of sorts that the approach had always been for years, Hamad ben Kodesh Lachol. And um, it, for the first few years, you know, we had done this, you know, with, I'll just be completely honest, it, it took, you know, a few weeks for kids to get used to this idea of, of bringing Torah into the afternoon. It was just not what they were used to. But I found every year by Sukkot's time, the kids are on board. But now in our own yeshiva, where we, where we really pilot everything, this is our fourth year of doing it. That, that, that issue never came up this year. It was fascinating to see that from day one, all the kids knew this is how Masifta Kesser Torah in Baltimore does general studies. They do it through a Torah at lens. They do it through this unique methodology because that's everybody in town knows that's what this yeshiva does. So over time, it took time, but it became the cultural norm. So th things take time. They do take time. But Baruch Hashem, the boys are growing in their skills. Um, it's allowing them to organize their thoughts and you know, they're, they're graduating 12th grade, really feeling like they have a skill set. They have a tool belt that they can use um, with whatever they want to do in life. Rabbi Weissman, it sounds like this is a great program that you've started and you and your colleagues at the Machon have put together. And uh, just keep up the great work. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Chinuch 2.0, a show exploring the changes happening to how we do Chinuch. Chinuch 2.0 is hosted and produced by me, Aaron Parnas. You can subscribe to the show on Apple or Google Podcasts, 
or on our website, chinuchshow.com. For suggestions, comments, or guests' ideas, please visit chinuchshow.com. Thanks for listening.